0: Luke chapter one, verses sixty seven through seventy-nine. His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and and redeemed them. He has raised up a point of salvation for us and of his and and in the house of his servant David, as he said through the, his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and remember his holy covenant, the oath he he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies, to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of, of the most high. And for you will go on before the Lord and prepare a way for Him to give His people, give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven and shine on those living in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace.
1: So, so twenty twenty felt like. Uh... Christmas came out of nowhere, kind of like that worship service. Like we were, we were just singing worship songs, and then suddenly it was Christmas, and we're it's all Holy Night, and there's readings of Christmas, and and that's kind of the way it's felt this year. Uh, that you know, suddenly, like I don't know, some of you maybe this year has crept by. For me, it's just like flown, by. like all of a sudden it's it's Christmas, and here we are, and it's at the end of the year, and we start thinking and talking about the Christmas story on Advent. And we start preparing for the Christmas story on Advent. And I got a question for you. Before we get in the message, really, it's just a question of how well do you know that story? Like the Christmas story, the birth story of Jesus, the nativity story, how well do you know it? On a scale of 1 to 10, like if you had to rank yourself on how well you know the birth story of Jesus, would you say that you're more like a 10, you're more like the Mother Mary or you're more like a one in the Ricky Bobby territory. Like, would you say you're more in the category of, I like the Christmas, Jesus, uh, Christmas version of Jesus the best, or you know the story so well, it's almost like you were there. Like, you had to rank yourself on that scale. Where would you rank yourself? My guess is, most of us would put ourselves somewhere in the middle, but honestly, more towards Mother Mary. Because we feel like we know this story pretty well. I mean, of all the stories in the Bible... The Christmas story, we know it better than any of the other stories. I mean, we watch the Charlie Brown Christmas story special every year. Uh, You know, we participate in Advent. We've been to Christmas Eve services. We've heard dozens of Christmas sermons in our lifetime. So we know the Christmas story. We know what happened with the birth of Jesus. Or do we? I got a little test that i I ran across this probably 15 years ago just a little quiz called a christmas quiz that tests our knowledge of the birth story it's 10 questions so you can pretty much use this scale to score yourself the number of questions you get right is where you fall on the scale. They're all true or false. So if you're at home, you can play along, grab a piece of paper, number it 1 to 10, you're going to answer them all true or false. If you're in the room, you'll have to to steal one of those cards. Uh, And you you can do that on the card if you want to. You can keep up with your head. You can do it uh, on your phone, however you want to do it. It's fine. It's going to be a simple test. It's true or false. Just 10 questions about the birth story to see how well we know the story. Okay, here we go. Number one, Mary rode a donkey from Nazareth, to bethlehem is that true or false you don't have to call it out loud just answer in your head is that true or false mary rode a donkey from nazareth to bethlehem that's false there's no mention of a donkey in the birth narratives like none of the gospels matthew or luke don't mention that mary rode a donkey that's just in our nativity place uh, they probably walked is the best way we got they guessed uh, number two the innkeeper informed joseph and mary there was no room at the inn false again it's the innkeeper we don't know that there was an innkeeper there's no mention of an innkeeper he's got a prominent role in every single church nativity play including ours but the bible never mentions an innkeeper it just says there was no room available in the inn number three there's no record of joseph speaking in any of the birth accounts that one's true i'm sure he said something at some point in his life but there's no, we don't have any of his words recorded in the birth account. So we don't know what Joseph said. There's a lot of things said to Joseph, but we don't know what he said. We know what he thinks, but we didn't know what he said. Number three, or four, excuse me. The wise men were three kings from the Orient. It's false, it's false, it's false. There's three falsehoods in that statement. It never mentions that they were kings, they were magi. Uh, it never mentions that they were from the Orient, just that they were from the East. And it never mentions that there were three wise men. It only says there were three gifts. The wise, it could have been two wise men. It could have been 12 wise men. We, have, we don't have any idea. It just mentions that they brought three gifts. Number five, the star did not appear above the manger. The star did not appear above the manger. True or false? That one is actually true. It appeared above the house where Joseph's family was living. Number six, the wise men followed the star as it moved from the east to Bethlehem. This was kind of a trick question. Uh, it's, it's false if we're thinking about the star being there continuously. So we, we like to think that the, you know, the star appeared and the wise men followed it from the east all the way to Bethlehem. Well, actually, they followed it until they got to Jerusalem, and then they had to stop and ask for directions. And once they stopped and asked for directions, King Herod told them, you know, they talked to King Herod. After they left King Herod, it reappeared, and uh, they followed it to Bethleh- Bethlehem. Number seven, the Magi arrived on the night of Jesus' birth. And that is false now it's a, of course it would mess up the nativity play because we would have to do the nativity play and then like two months later come back and do a reversion of it where they come visit a little slightly grown up version of Jesus but the Magi did not arrive the night of the birth they arrived probably months after the birth uh, as much as possibly a year after the birth because after the Magi visited Herod he ordered the death of all baby boys in uh, Bethlehem under the age of two so there's a, the timeline is, is not exactly clear there Uh, Where are we? This is number eight, the shepherds followed the star to the place of Jesus' birth, that one's false, the shepherds didn't follow the star, we have no idea how the shepherds found uh, the manger that Jesus was in, the angels may have told them, number nine, the little drummer boy appeared following the shepherds, that one is false, Uh, that is a song, there's no little drummer boy in the Christmas story, and number ten, a little lamb kept Jesus warm until morning, um, that one is also false. That's a Max Licato story. That's not scripture. There's actually no animals mentioned in the birth accounts. I know the cattle are lowing and the sheep are nearby and all that stuff but we we don't, have any, we don't have any record of that. So if you scored it now I don't know if you had time to score it in the room but if you're online and you actually scored that and you got the number right which one are you? Are you, are you closer to Ricky Bobby Or are you closer to to Mother Mary? And and come on, I mean, we got to have some boldness in this church. So how many of you guys were closer to, to Mother Mary? Like, you were, okay, okay, yep, good, good. I can't see you online. You'll just have to comment in the comment section. How many of you guys were closer to Ricky Bobby? Come on, be proud. Okay, good, good, that's right. There's a lot in this story that we miss. And it's right there for us in the Bible. It's just, we miss it because... We're so familiar with it, and I know that's, that's an odd thing to say, but we're so familiar with the birth story that we think we know it, and we miss a lot of the really good stuff in it. Like We're so familiar with it because our, our knowledge of it and our understanding of it is this mixture of what we've heard in Scripture, what we've seen in church plays and nativities, what we've heard in sermons, what we've seen on movies. What we, I mean, it's all of this, this mixture of stuff that's kind of created a convoluted version of the Christmas story. And we get the basic parts right. I mean, I'm, come on, that test is a little bit deceiving in some parts. So we get the basics right. But there's a huge part of the story we miss in the first chapter of Luke. And I don't know how we miss it. I, we just skip over it. It's a, it's a huge part of the story. And it's actually the, it's 12 verses at the end of chapter 1. Called Zachariah's Song. How often do you hear Zachariah's Song read at Christmas, or included in nativity stories, or, or included in Christmas plays? It's it's very rare. We're not really that familiar with Zachariah's Song. Now, Gabrielle read it to us uh, before I got up here today, and it's I'm not going to reread the whole thing because she read it to us. But Zachariah was a priest, and he was a relative of Jesus through his marriage to Elizabeth. We don't know if he was uncle, cousin, or what. We don't know how, what the, the relation was. We just know that he was a relative of Jesus, and Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the forerunner of Jesus. So, John the Baptist comes saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, and he talks about Jesus coming. Well, Zechariah sings this song, which is actually a prophecy, and he sings it after months of silence, Because Zachariah did not believe that his wife Elizabeth would be pregnant. And he was actually struck by silence because he was in the presence of God in the temple. And so after a few months of silence, Zechariah, we have this song recorded of his. And I want you to pay attention to the last four verses because I think they're the most powerful of the song. Because he's talking about his son here, you know, and you my child will be called a prophet of the Most High. So he's talking about his son, John the Baptist. But then he starts prophesying about Jesus. And look at this. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. There's two things he says there at the end around verse 79 that talk about, you know, we're talking, Advent is about the things Jesus brings at his coming. And right there he talked about the first one, hope is one of the things Jesus brings at his coming. And he says that Jesus, the rising sun will come to heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death. This Christmas and the holiday season is one of the most difficult times of the year for anybody who's lost a loved one. Some people have lost loved ones around that particular time of the year, and it's just incredibly difficult when you start, because we put such an emphasis on family during the holidays, and we put such an emphasis on our loved ones during this time, and if you've lost anybody, it's such a difficult time. There's a lot of loneliness and a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression around the Christmas season but Jesus comes to bring hope there is a, the, the Sun is coming to shine in the darkness those living in the shadow of death there is hope coming and then the second one he mentions there's what we're gonna talk about today and that's peace to guide our feet into the path of peace that's one of the things that Jesus brings as coming that the angels proclaimed Jesus when he was born brings peace and goodwill to men so Jesus comes to guide our feet into the path of peace. And you want to talk about another thing that's prevalent at Christmas is chaos and family drama and family conflict. And I see some heads nodding. So, I mean, you know, be careful nodding those heads because you may be around the conflict right now. You may be sitting by the conflict. So. But, but, yeah, I mean, that's... Christmas is a, it's a tough time because, yeah, you put family together and you hadn't seen family in a while. Well, sometimes... Things start clashing and the conflict comes out and there's a, it's tough to feel peace at this time of year. Like this is that we want to feel peace at this time of the year and we think this is what we deserve. Like the, the Tiffany, the Oh Holy Night moment, that's what we want. That's what we imagine all of Christmas is going to be like. It's going to be this calm, all is calm, all is bright. You know, it's this calm, peaceful season and that's what we dream about for Christmas. But we don't usually experience it because of all the stress and the shopping and getting the meals ready and the the extra family in the house and all of this kind of stuff. And so we feel like we're missing peace. Like of all the things, you know, you talk about Jesus brings peace at at Advent. I feel like that is completely missing at this time of year. I have peace January 2nd you or January 3rd. That's when I find peace. But December, there is no peace in December. And I wanted to take Zachariah's words and talk about today, like, how do we, how do, we do that? How do we guide our feet into the path of, of peace? If that's something that Jesus came to do for us and we're not experiencing it, then you know how do, how do we experience that? How do we recapture peace during the season? And um, I had a thought. I want to throw it out at you, and then I'm going to give you a couple of ways that we might be able to do this, but... All week I've been thinking about, you know, why do we not have peace? And you say, well, we don't have peace because there's conflict, or we don't have peace because there's chaos. And, and this was the thought that, that came to me, was the opposite of peace is not chaos or conflict. That's usually what we think it is. But the opposite of peace is worry. Just chew on that just a little bit and think through it. The reason that we don't feel at peace is because we're worried. We're anxious. Um, we're scared and so uh, the drama that we experience actually fuels the worry or the conflict that we have fuels the worry the chaos the disharmony all of that kind of fuels the worry but a lot of our the uneasiness in our soul is because we're just scared and and we're worried and we're anxious and we got tons of reasons to be scared and worried and anxious this year and we've got an entire system (laughs) designed to make us scared and worried and anxious and i mean it's so so how do we combat the fear and how do we combat the worry so that we may experience peace that's kind of where i, I went this week and, and i got three ideas and, and one of them may help two of them may help all three of them may help but just they're just ideas, and uh, maybe you can think some more about this. If your groups are meeting right now, I don't know if they are or not, but maybe you can think some more about this in your groups or just in your life. But how do we, how do we find peace during this season? Here's my first idea. Um, <clears throat> stop feeding the fire. And Somebody gave me this advice once uh, concerning a social media debate, and all of us at some time or other get sucked down the rabbit hole of social media debates and comment threads. Uh, it's it's just so easy to do because you'll put something out there on Facebook or Twitter or where and somebody will will post something in response and you're like no that's wrong but why, why would you why would you even think that that's wrong and so you respond to them just to kindly and gently tell them how wrong they are and uh they respond back to you like no you're wrong you're how could you possibly think that and and you just i mean it just spirals out of control and it happens quick cuz you all think like i always go into every time i comment like this is the last comment you know I'm not gonna say anything else past this I'm not I'm not gonna get sucked into this debate but we it happens we get sucked into debates pretty quickly or if we don't get sucked into them ourselves we love seeing other people debate so once it once the comment thread gets a little testy like ooh, yeah we start reading some more of that stuff we got the memes of the guys eating the popcorn and all that every one of us do that right Because we love to see that but what we don't realize is how that's well maybe we do realize it is how it's affecting our emotions like, it starts to, there are times in which I'll get sucked into one of those comment threads, and I don't want to see the notification because I don't want to see that they've responded to me. Because it's just, it, oh gosh, your, your stomach just starts churning. Like, you know, I, I won't even get on Facebook for, for a day or so because I don't want to see where the, where the argument went. Or, you know, I just don't want to see it. And it starts messing with our emotions. And somebody once gave me this advice, and they said the best way to put out a fire is to stop giving it oxygen. So just stop feeding the fire. If you stop feeding the fire it'll go out and and that's something that we need to do I mean not just with social media I'm just talking about social media but I mean whatever the family conflict is whatever the family drama stop feeding it you you don't have to win that argument you don't have to be right you you do not have to uh, have everyone agree with your opinion in order for uh, you to feel good this Christmas season you know You don't have to, it doesn't matter what everybody thinks about you. You can't control what everybody thinks about you, so why worry about things you can't control, like what everybody thinks about you, or what the future is going to look like, or all of those kind of things. I mean, and I'm not saying stick your head in the sand. I'm just saying that maybe we, what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount is a pretty good advice. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? So maybe one of the best things we can do to find a little bit of peace this holiday season it's just stop feeding the fire, stop giving the conflict oxygen, stop giving the drama oxygen or the chaos or whatever it is that's leading to the worry and leading to the fear stop giving it oxygen and this one's very similar to this so these are all very similar but the second one is to snooze the chaos and I'm speaking literally here, Uh, snooze the chaos there is a feature. I know a lot of you are on Facebook, uh, especially you old folks like me. There's a there's a feature on Facebook that when you're in your news feed and you see somebody post something that really just gives you a lot of heartburn and you really want to comment and argue with them because they're clearly wrong and they just don't know it. There's a feature that's got these three vertical dots up in the right-hand corner. If you click those, it pulls up this menu and you can click hide and their post goes away. It's the most incredible feature. And you could even do this. There's a feature right underneath it that says snooze for 30 days. So you can stop seeing all of their opinions and their political memes and who they're voting for and and what they think about masks. You can stop seeing all of that for 30 days, and they won't even know you snoozed them. Because you can still be friends with them. You just don't see their stuff. And if you really need to, you can even go to the next option, the nuclear option, and hit hide, and you'll never see their feet again. But you can still be friends with them isn't that great i mean that's i mean like you we need to do that like some of what we need to snooze the chaos all right instagram has the same thing you can mute their story or you can mute their post or you can mute their post and their story i talk about this like i've done this and i you know now you're getting some of you are like did he mute me you know has he hid me you'll never know uh (laughs) because I hope, I hope you'll never know. I haven't actually tested to see whether or not you'll know. Should have done that before this message. But, uh, you know, we just got to snooze the chaos. It works with Fox News, too. And it works with CNN, too. You can, like, I got in this, this habit once on my phone. I had, I had both of those apps on my phone. And it was just, it was like a social media experiment. I just got curious, like, how they, how they tell the news. And so I would like read the headlines from Fox News and then I'd read the headlines from CNN just to see how they differed. And they differ, you know, every every time they differ. But what I noticed was that the more I started reading those headlines, the more anxious I got because every one of them is about fear. Something bad going to happen. Something bad is coming. It's, it's going to get worse. It's going to get terrible. You know, whatever it is, whether it's about other countries or whether it's about who's a, who's in office in our country or whether it's about, you know, uh, the coronavirus or anything. I mean, it's just constant, constant, constant fear. Well, there's this magic feature on the iPhone where if you hold down the app, it starts shaking in fear like you're going to do something to it. And it starts shaking and this little X appears and you just hit the X and the app just goes off your phone. You'd be amazed at how much peace you will find if you're able to snooze. And again, I'm not saying stick your head in the sand and never read the news again and all of that kind of stuff. I'm just saying... Our hearts and minds aren't built for a 24-hour news cycle. And our hearts and minds aren't built to know what 5,000 of our friends think about every single issue in this world. And and I'm, I use social media and I read the news and all of that kind of stuff. I'm just like, there, there's got to be a limit to it. You know, our our grandparents' generation used to to read the news for about 15 minutes a day. You know, they, they read it in the newspaper, and they were done. And by that time, it had happened a week ago. Uh, the, or, you know, my parents' generation used to watch it for about 10 minutes because you had 10 minutes of news, 10 minutes of weather, 10 minutes of sports. And that was it. You watched the 10 o'clock news, and you were done with your news for the day. We now spend hours and hours and hours on the news, and the news is fueled by worry and anxiety, and we wonder why we don't feel at peace, and we wonder why we're so anxious and nervous and, and upset and, and bothered all the time. Is because we're, it's what we're it's our what we're eating. We feed ourselves a steady diet of fear and worry, and then wonder why we're so fearful and worry so much. Um, so maybe, maybe what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, each day has enough trouble of its own. There's there's plenty of trouble out there to see, but but carve out some time to see the trouble, and then try to focus on this last one here, and that's to pray. Zachariah's prayer, and that's really the way I look at his. When he talks about that prophecy, you know, to guide our feet into the path of peace, um, I look at that as a prayer. And I think Zechariah is praying for something that all of us struggle to do because we need some supernatural help in order to do it. Um, peace doesn't come easy to us, you know, it just, it, you know, our, our souls are just, they don't we need the spirit and one of the fruits of the spirit is peace you know it it produces in our lives peace and and we need to start praying more that God would help us to feel more at peace I mean there's some stuff we can do obviously but we want to help him in that effort but we need to start praying more that God would bring us that that peace that we desire because I believe it's what God desires for us and you look at all throughout Jesus, and when Jesus, the prophecies about Jesus was that Jesus was the Prince of Peace. The Bible calls him the Lord of Peace. At his birth, peace and goodwill to men. That's what Jesus brings with him at his birth. In his teaching, he taught his disciples, peace I give you, peace I leave with you. I mean, so, uh, so constantly he's teaching about, and the, the most common greeting after the resurrection, I always found this encouraging in John, after the resurrection, when Jesus appears to the disciples, they're worried and they're scared, and what does he say to them every time? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus comes to bring peace. We sing about it at Christmas. We read about it in the Bible. We know that Jesus comes to bring peace. So why is it that so many of us who follow Jesus as our Lord don't have peace? We need to allow him some more room to operate in our lives. And we need more awareness of his spirit in our lives so that we invite him to guide our feet into the path of peace and uh, that's that's actually how I want to close our service today so communion I don't know if you picked it up on the way in or not but uh, if you didn't on the way in that's fine you can go have a moment to to do that right after I get done uh, with this prayer and you can just do that at the tables there or online if you know if you've got it with you but communion reminds us of Jesus so communion, when we take the bread and we take the cup, it reminds us of the body and the blood of Jesus. And it reminds us of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So communion for me is a centering activity. It's something that we do weekly at this church because it recenters us on what's most important. And if you think about all the times that we feel like we don't have peace and we get anxious and we get worked up and we get angry, we lose control, whatever it is, all those times we're out of center. You know, we're not centered on Jesus. When we're centered on Jesus, we, we have the gifts that he gives us. You know, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. When we're centered on Jesus, that's what our life is characterized by. But when we're not centered on Jesus those things get out of balance and and we say hateful and hurtful things and we we don't have self-control we're not gentle to be around we're not faithful and we're not peaceful and those things so we need this centering activity to pull us back to what matters most in our lives and so i'm going to say a prayer for us and invite you once i'm done with this prayer i'm going to invite you to take communion and and if you don't have it with you that's fine we'll just kind of focus our thoughts and minds Uh, on that, but I'd like to pray for us, and then after I've prayed, uh, we can take communion together as a family, so pray with me. Father, um, we are thankful for the peace that your son brings, and it's, it's hard for us to imagine one of the things we miss about the birth story is how violent the world was, and how chaotic and confusing the world was, and the birth story itself, we've sanitized into this Silent night, holy night. And we can imagine it was nothing but, it was not silent. It was, it, was, it was nothing but chaos that night. Not able to find room to be born anywhere except in a manger. And still, in the midst of that, your son brings peace to us. That Isaiah prophesied that the, that the people walking in darkness will see a great light. And this light will shine on all the nations. And so, Father, we, we believe that. In our soul, we believe it. We don't always practice it. And it's because we get out of the center of your will and we get out of the center of who you are in Christ. And, um, Father, just, just help us to, to get re-centered. That's one of the reasons we come on Sundays. It's one of the reasons we, we hop on YouTube or Facebook and watch on Sundays. is because we, just, we need this time to recenter our hearts and minds on you. And so, Father, as we take this communion now, may it be something that centers our lives on you. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, I pray these things, amen. If you have communion ready, you can go ahead and and take that now.